was uh, I was counsel, good or bad, determine your wisdom in the Lord. And we always talk about wisdom of growing in the Lord. And in which the 40th chapter, you remember I told you it was a rhetorical statement because God takes no counsel from anyone. He don't need anyone's input or whatever. But that's a rhetorical statement only about God because anyone other than God needs counsel. They need instruction and they could profit from instruction. It's profitable. David gave his son Solomon instructions before he left. And you'll notice that Solomon refers to that in many of his proverbs about his father's instructions. And that's much more precious than all of the rubies, all of the wealth in the world. And that's what, when Solomon asked God, God asked Solomon, what did he want? And Solomon says, the wisdom to lead his people to come in and out before them. And that's when God blessed him and says, since you didn't ask for the death of your enemy or any of those things, you asked for wisdom, that he was going to give him the wisdom and knowledge and much more. He was going to give him wealth and honor and everything because a wise head. To have wisdom, that's a great thing. What does the Bible mean by counsel? What does the Bible mean by counsel? To advise or to instruct. And that's what all of the whole Bible is, is the instructions from God. That's what the whole word of God is, is how we should live. This is the owner's manual. This is the counsel. This is something given to us from God is advice. A lot of people don't take advice well. They can't in, in receive instruction. As used in scripture, counsel means to advise and instruct. To give godly counsel, we must make the intentional effort to hear the question or see the circumstances from the perspective of an internal, eternal paradigm. As it comes through eternal wisdom from God, uh, the nature of, of God, the things of God, how God thinks in his ways. And that's why he says, my thoughts are not like your thoughts and my ways are not like your ways. We have a, have a, have a whole different mindset, a, a transformation of the mind. And that's what giving us a new heart is, a heart in biblical language, it's the mind, it's the noose, it's the seat of, of your understanding where all the passions and emotions, where everything seats. It's the center of who you are, and that's why it gives you a new heart. And on that heart is what? It's written the law of God. It's written the law of God on your heart. So thoughts, uh, as I was saying, thoughts and thinking uh, and decisions and how they are made a part of why we seek counsel. Counsel is to learn from that. Something as we are called disciples of Christ. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower, a learner. You learn from the if you're a disciple of Christ, that means you forget everything you know of get everything and you follow him and, and he fills you with who he is and what he is. And you have his mode of thinking. Everything, everything comes from the master. He's your teacher. Uh, to, uh, rather than simply spouting off our answer input through our natural, worldly ways, we need to slow down and stop and ask the question, what does the Bible say? Before you do things and before you go off on things, are your mind, are you bringing every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ? Are you asking Christ, are you? But rather than just going off on a tangent, it's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. It's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. And we should go to the doctor. But why was God mad at the king of Israel? Because he inquired of the doctor's first. He didn't ask of God first. God comes first. It's just like when Elijah with the woman with the cakes. 
what did he say? Make me a cake first. As I always tell y'all, faith is not getting your check and then paying your bills and setting everything aside and then say, okay, getting my tithes and everything. That's not faith. Because you hadn't did it in a way to please God. You come in and pay your bills and pay God last. That's not faith. That's not being a good Christian. That's because you put God last. You first, the first fruit, God asks for the first fruits of your offering. That's why in the prayer, when I'm praying, I give him the preeminence in my life. He's first. If he's not first, he's not in there. He says, he has to be before your mother, father, sister, brother, your wife, your spouse, your children, your own self. God is first. He won't take second place. So anybody not advising you to put God first in your life, it's not godly instructions if it's not sifted. It says bring every thought into captivity and obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Sister Harris was talking about her wheelchair the other day about the last of her savings, which she learned through tidying and everything that she had got a pretty good nest egg or whatever, but then she had to get the chair and everything. But the first thing she did when she had a check, she cashed out the church her tithes and offerings. So she spent what she had first for God, just like the widow that put in the two mites. The next day, she paid off for her chair and everything. She did everything. But then she, I, I said, what you so happy about today, sister? As you come up here with all this laughing and thing, you in the chair smiling and laughing and everything. And she said, you know, Pastor, God is good. She said, a man told me just to forget about it, about the chair or whatever, that I was going to get the chair for nothing. I was going to, now I mean, she got a chair to give away to somebody else. She didn't got that chair. She thought, I said, so your next egg not go. <laughs> nothing is too hard for God. That's why I went over the first part of these, this chapter where I told you about God's word and to comfort my people with God's word. That was your comfort that he, the Lord given and he take it away. So if you continually watching out for yourself and not depending upon God and don't realize how big God is or the sovereignty of God or God's controlling all things, Someone hadn't instructed you in the right things of God. And hopefully I'm instructing each and every one of us. I have to give account in the knowledge of God, how to serve God. Hopefully I, I pray to God that I live a, a many more years, some, a, a, long, a length of time to get others in the train. You know, we hadn't ordained elders or anything like that. And most churches have to have elders to operate. Elders, a plurality of elders. But listen at Albert Martin here when he was doing his parting uh, sermon at the church he had pastored for 40-some years. was talking about they operated without elders for a while or whatever. If you can't set up a church in a biblical way, you can't set up a church, and it's better for those offices in place to remain vacant instead of setting them up contrary to the way God said do it. And that's what I look at and I was taking note of in your prayer, and your prayer sometimes touched me with what actually going on in my life and everything with my children and my grandchildren. It makes me see the awfulness of what we have in religion or whatever, the religion our children think they have. They go to these mega churches and different churches and it's a waste of time. It's it comes in and well I'll, I'll get that to that in a minute but that drives you to more praying for your children and praying and depending upon God to do the work when you see the state that religion is in today. You see it in the nation. You see it throughout the world. Where is the wise counsel? Counsel, uh, the instructors of God. What is wise counsel? A wise person is able to use their experience and knowledge in order to make sensible 
decisions and judgments. And we see that that's not happening. That's not happening today because there's no fear of God in this nation today. When I say no fear of God, I mean in a general way, you know. It's a, like with Elijah's day. It was a few here and there. God has his people or whatever. But we say as a, a, on a whole, we see the nation is ripe for judgment. It has to be judged. And we see that if we saying that we are a Christian nation above every other nation, it's probably because we're not getting a lot of media insight into what's going on into other nations, the true news. They're not going to broadcast some of the true things that show us that this is one of the worst religious nations to be in because it's Babylon. It's Babylon and, and Satan. We can see where God, why Jesus said he's going to fight against the church. What is the difference between counsel and wisdom? Well, as now the difference between counsel and wisdom is that counsel is the exchange of opinions and advice. Consultation, while wisdom is uncountable, an element of personal character that enables one to distinguish the wise from the unwise. And that's the problem. We're not able to distinguish, and that's what Solomon wanted to be able to know what to do, who to follow to have proper discernment. A church has to have discernment. We have to have discernment in who to follow and who in the church, just even in a small church, you know, whether this person has good sense or not. You know, and sometimes that comes through our natural abilities or observation. But we're talking biblically. Is this person a wise or a sensible person biblically? Because biblically, if it sounds biblically, it's sound in the natural world. Jesus Christ was a sound man. Even though the world around him might have thought different of him, but the world around him wasn't a real world. The world he's talking about, the world that's real, is the spiritual world. That's the only thing that is real. Anything that's of God. He said he's the truth and he's the way. So he instructs us and teaches us in the way to have life and to have life eternally and just what means something and what doesn't mean anything. And the world is given, given to vanity and futility and Solomon seeing that but he wasn't a spiritual man, but he realized the futility of life and the futility of the world and that it had been subjected by God, as Paul speaks of in the book of Romans, to futility. That the creation goes on moaning and groaning, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. So as nature and things see the coming of the sons of God, is why we are having earthquakes and weather changes and different things in nature. Even if man don't see it, nature realizes the coming of the sons of God. They're realizing what, because there's a new creation going on. He's remaking the earth. God's people see this, but it's only those that through wise counsel that are able through faith to see God working. The Spirit doeth yet work, and that's what happened with Satan. His iniquity had separated him from God. He couldn't hear God or see God or feel God, but God was on the throne. He was away from the throne, but he thought he could take the throne away from God and sit up on God's throne because he was a dreamer. He was living in a world that wasn't real. That's where he's then brought us into a world that, that's not real. And God's calling us out of that world. He's calling us to consciousness. Consciousness. He's trying to quicken us, awaken us, and bring us to life to, to, that we may follow him, that we may have eternal life. And that we can operate, as you were saying, how much you learned about when I was talking about sheep and the, the nature of sheep. Once you start hearing those words, it, you, you, a sheep has a definite 
way of the right hearing where once he starts hearing his shepherd, he won't listen at any other shepherd. He, he can't get lost. That's why it says it's impossible for the Satan or for the devil to deceive the elect because the elect not listening at the false prophets. They're not listening at the false preachers and things because they know the voice of their shepherd. Those that know Jesus, like Peter when he says, are you going to? The others had said, this is a hard saying, you say. They couldn't receive what Jesus was saying because it was too hard. But Peter says, where are we to go? Where are we going? You have the truth. So it's no other place for a Christian to go. I feel that air now. It's no other place for the, a Christian to go than the truth, the absolute truth of Jesus Christ. It's Christ and nothing. So you will stay in Christ. You like the Hebrew boys. You have to throw us in the fire because we're not going to follow the world or the things of the world. It's God and nothing. And that's, that shows how belief, strong your belief system is. That's why he says he will find those that have faith when he comes back. Why is godly counsel important? Why is godly counsel important? Uh, we need to be equipped with biblical counsel. The word of God is to equip you to do the good work that God created you to do. Because we look in Ephesians and say we are created to do good works. Well, if we're not doing what God created us to do, we could be somewhere doing works of our own choosing that which we want to do and then when God comes back when Jesus comes back you will be depending on those works to save you didn't we do all these things but he's going to say I never knew you because you wasn't known of God you wasn't taking counsel or direction from God you were doing what made you feel good it was like the Pharisees they like the praise of men so there are people that are naturally good they go around doing good works for everybody. They have a good nature, and they do good works and everything, but good works can't save you. That's a moral basis there. You're not saved on those bases. You're saved by grace through faith. God's grace is what's saving you in the hearing of the preaching of the word of God. In order to do that good work, you've got to make wise decisions. And that only comes from God. And if you lack in wisdom, if we ask of God, God liberally gives us wisdom. That's why I say, so we have to ask counsel of God. We have to get wisdom from God to do anything we do. And that's why we have to consult God. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So the first step in considering counseling is, Praying is the way to first ask counsel of God. Jesus says, anything that you ask the Father in my name, that he'll do. And your first step is prayer. Are you a woman of prayer? Are you a man of prayer? Everything you do, is it done with prayer and supplication? Or have you got good enough, or have are you strong enough to some things you really don't need to ask or pray to God but you know how to do that you can do that you need God only for the big things in all things see because Joshua and them was going to take was taking and going throughout the cities conquering and the Gibeonites heard about that and they came to Joshua and they had molded bread they took some molded bread and worn clothes and things and told Joshua and them they was from a far country and that they wanted to make a league with Joshua and them and they needed help. But God had told Joshua and them not to make a league with the people of the nation and that they should destroy the nations and conquer and then say, don't save any of them. But using natural wisdom, as a lot of people feel sorry for the poor and the destitute and those without anything or those that look bad, by natural eyesight, they said, well, these people's clothes, and they judge them by sight. But if they'd have had wisdom, if they'd have asked God, they should have had to ask counsel of God before they made a covenant with anybody, right? 
they made a covenant with the Jebionites, and those people was from right a day's journey away from them. They fooled them. And that's how what God's people are. We are fooled by sight. We're fooled. Just because somebody named the name of Jesus, just because somebody goes to church, that doesn't make them a Christian. That doesn't make them right in God's sight. If he had a little bit of godly wisdom, if he had he would have said, Well, if you're from a far country, if you came from that far off, why you worry about it? We're not attacking far off countries, we're just attacking people right here. You know, a lot of times people come up to me and say things or whatever, and I ask one or two questions, and they can't answer the question right or whatever, and they answer it with a crazy answer or something. And I'm wondering whether they're telling the truth or not or what's going on, you know, because this is the sensible question, and you can't even prepare to answer just a little simple question. You know, people nowadays don't want you to question them. That's the problem with my children. They get all huffy when I say something to them. You can't say nothing to them. Well, that's all right, get them, whatever. You can't say anything to people nowadays. And people don't want to say that they, they don't know. They don't want to ask counsel. That's what the church has strayed so far with marriages and intermarriages and all that. They don't ask you who they should marry. Girls going out dating these guys or whatever and going on, which is not really biblical, so you don't know who this guy is or what he is. And you break, Now they're bold enough to break him to the parent's house or whatever, and he's not saying, well, can I date your daughter? Or can I? Go? You know, they're not even asking for that. Okay, well, look, do we approve of this? used to be you had to ask for the daughter's hand. You had to ask before the, you do these things. But this this is a wicked generation. He says, cursed children. Yeah. Cursed children. We, we're living in a generation where we have people right within the church don't ask and, and the reason they ask or something just want you to approve what they're doing or whatever. A lot of times you know fool or whatever just because you don't say nothing don't mean you don't know nothing. You know, just because I don't say I object or whatever, you know, well, you know, a smart counselor sometimes don't offer advice if he wasn't asked. Huh? That's why we don't have. God says, why you don't have? He said, because you don't ask. Sometimes you need to ask. But asking makes you look stupid, don't it? That's what a lot of people say. I don't want to ask a question that makes me look stupid. What's even stupider is you sitting there and don't know and somebody wanting you to ask them and they would tell you the answer. But for you to act like you know the answer or go away not knowing the answer and was in the presence of a wise person that could have gave you the right answer. Mm-hmm. That's true. And people know you don't know from the things you're doing and the actions and judgments you take. You, you Forever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth because you're not doing it the way God asked you to do it. I told you praying was the first avenue there. Seek God first in this. Secondly, studying the Word of God. Because anything in life that you need to ask is right here in the Bible. He wouldn't have gave us instruction manual if it wasn't here. Now, some of the things, some of these wise people ask out there, well, what do you say about this and that, that? Well, you're trying to catch me in something or whatever, but if you was in church, you would notice that the precept is here. That direct question or that direct answer you're asking, it's not here, but the precept is in here. See, God created it where the precepts is in here. Well, that doesn't say about this and it doesn't say about that. That's why he says don't give that which is holy to the dogs because you want to just run in the church and find out all the answers and go out there and do what you want to do to a limit or whatever. And sometimes some teachers have to hold some things in because I can't give you that yet because you're not ready for that. That's why parents don't tell children everything. And that's what the problem is with the world. You couldn't go there and Google something and find out this and find out that. But you know, sometimes knowledge without wisdom or understanding is dangerous. People tell you you know just just enough to get you hurt. 
a lot of people know enough just to get themselves in trouble. You can have enough enough credit points to get something you can't really afford. You can go out there and act like you you somebody and get married to somebody and at night, now that you married to him, you wish you hadn't gotten married to him. You wish you hadn't took time. So just to achieve things may not be what you're looking for. But if we're studying for the word of God, he'll answer us from his word. God answers us through his word. And many a thing, that's why I say the word of God is counted in where strong churches are. Strong churches exist and the pastors don't have to do too much private or one-on-one counseling because the Holy Spirit has it to where it's covered in the preaching and the teaching. If you go back and study what has been preached or what has been taught, whatever was key to your life, God or the Spirit has given it to you if you are hungered and thirsting for righteousness because it's no way that a person that's born again, a child of God, is looking for an answer, looking for God guidance from God, and he doesn't make me give that to you. Whether I understand it or not. Whether I know who I'm talking to or not. When you come to church, how many times you've come to church and say, Pastor, I've been praying for that, and that was the answer. You just don't know. You hit the spot. I don't know what I hit, how I hit the spot or whatever, what I did. But the Spirit does. So that's why if you're not praying and looking for something and hungering when you come in here on Bible study nights or on preaching days, and if you're not looking for an answer, you probably won't find an answer. I got my grandchildren I do the same thing my children used to do. They'll go in a room, I tell them to go get something, and then they'll come out and say they couldn't find it. And I say, was you looking for it? You just went in there because I told you to go in there. Because if I go right in there, daddy will sit right there. How many times you've sent a child to look for something, or if you went and looked for something yourself, and it was right there? I've done the same thing. I've looked in my closet for a shirt or a pair of pants or something, and they was right there. I was looking over it. Sometimes we can overlook the obvious. But we need God to show us and guide us and advise us and to know it. It's in the word of God. We need God to bring it to our understanding. Or show us how to do these things. And that's where you get from his word. Knowledge and understanding. And if you ask of him wisdom. That's given by God. Man can't give you that. A person or nature that you may think is a godly person. With wisdom a natural of a person that you may think is a godly person with wisdom or some other conduct, character, or experience. This is the way God's counsel may come because he answered Balaam through ass. And sometimes you can look at the things in nature and see the answer that it says if you look at creation, you'll know that there is a God. If you're looking at things in nature, and I was telling you about that show, The uh, Great Discovery of the Planet Earth, our great natural parks or something that's on Netflix that's being narrated by Barack Obama or something. And you'll see all these things. You'll know that there is a God through in the design that the world has, the things of the world. And a person with Wisdom or some other conduct, a character, experience, or something that leads you to think that they are worthy of asking. You know, so a person that their children are not doing right, or uh, you can tell whether a man's in charge of his house or whatever. Just the people that come to church, you can kind of surmise what kind of family they have, or the people of the authority they have in life. On your job or something, or the the friends and things you relate with, there's judgment all the time going on. But I think you're very crazy. You know something's wrong if you ask advice or counsel of somebody that's a fool. That means you really, really way behind yourself, and you can't see this is not the person to ask. You understand what I'm saying? You will know whether that's the person that acts or not. God's going should, but it's not, it's kind of like I was telling you with Joshua, 
but but you asking through God. In other words, that comes from prayer, praying and studying the Word of God. He's going to lead you to the right person to ask, or that person's going to offer that information to you. You understanding what I'm saying now? It has to be biblical, biblical or come through something that God had brought to you. Many a mistake has been made in matters large and small from not asking God first. That happens. That's the problem. Let me get back to my text where I was. Uh, consider the counselor's character. The character of the individual. I, I remember years back when Bill Clinton was being president and a lot of the Republicans, a lot of the Christians were saying that we can't have that kind of man to lead the nation because of his character. Well, I didn't see what character really had to do with it. A lot of people were saying, is the economy stupid? Bill Clinton, as a leader, just like uh, he handed George Bush an economy that was thriving, and the nation had a surplus. That's why God, Jesus said, well, why did you turn my money over to the bankers, the, the, the parable of the man with the talents who didn't earn anything, he went and buried his talents. He said, why didn't you turn my money over to the bankers? At least I'd have had interest on it. See, what we're looking at, the nation in the world what does that have to do with a man of character? Satan and the people of the world, a Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world and Jesus refused that deal because these are Satan's kingdoms, as he said. So who can run Satan's kingdom better than Satan's people can? Other people that, not, not, a, not a dispersion on Bill Clinton, you know, I went and visited his library and thing. I think he was good as a president, but that's in the secular. He might have made mistakes like everybody else does or whatever, but he was good at doing the natural thing, and that he is running a nation. Whereas most preachers will tell you that a Christian couldn't run the nation because it's God, it's not God's nation, it's the world. So the homosexuals and some of the other people are right in what they're saying. The president of the United States is a president for all people, whether they gay or not. That's part of his constitutional thing, was to protect the individual rights of the individuals. See, but we're not talking about the kingdom of God. As a pastor, my obligation is to God, whereas that's not the obligation of a secular leader. That's why I say it's the nation era when they said that this is a Christian nation. It wasn't even formed by all Christians or whatever. They were deists, a lot of them, who formed the nation. So they couldn't carry out the governments. That's why he says the governments of this world has defiled. In other words, there's only one government, and that's the government of God. All other governments has to be destroyed. I don't know what Christians or who running around thinking the United States will stand as a nation and all the rest of the nations will go that we somebody more than the other people. We're just like all the rest of the nation. It's not a Christian nation, and most pastors or preachers will tell you that. It's the so-called, uh, air quotes, Christians that's telling you that this is a Christian nation. Those are the wolves in sheep's clothing. Well, you living in the nation see the difference. We do need somebody to reign in law and orders, but it has to come in by Jesus Christ. It can come no other way. So the character, so we, a couple of years ago, they elected a president we know was a three-time adulterer. He was married three different times. Of his language, and he making fun of the handicaps, and of his character, but the Republicans and 80 to 85% of the Christians voted for this man, and he was the, one of the worst leaders we could have had. He even propagandized with a Bible. He played with the Bible once he ran those people out that square and held a Bible up or whatever. I, I, I'm very shaky when, I, when people bring their religion in 
and boast religion and play with religion like that, and that's not a Christian. When he said to Corinthians, a lot of yeah. people that were Christian, Corinthians said, well, no, he's not a Christian. He'd have never said that. His leaders and our people didn't tell him, well, you know, everybody knows it's Second Corinthians. that It's not said by their language. So the character of the individual, the things he said or did, that's that's not a born-again character. When I speak of a counselor, I'm not primarily referring to some type of professional counselor. I'm referring to anyone from whom you may seek counsel. So I would seek counsel from that president, but I probably would seek counsel from Clinton on, on money matters, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, someone that handles money. That's why Jesus said, why didn't you at least give my money to the bankers? I would accrued interest from it. So what are you seeking the counsel for? Because running the world of this world, it's Satan's world, and so your needs must go out of the world if you don't think that you will have to deal with people that are not Christian. That you not go work on jobs that some of the people won't be Christians. The Bible itself tells you, you you're fooled by that. That's why you didn't see the him telling to break up slavery and all these other things. The employee employer matter goes to the same thing as slavery. There are things that are handled in the secular. He's allowing those to happen so that in that matrix. He can have his people operating in the world, but are not of the world. It's falling on deaf ears, look like. You, you see, that's why I mean that we have to do things living in this world. He says, keep them in this world, but keep them from the evil in the world. So there are ways to carry out good in this world and not be of the world. He's calling us out of Babylon, in other words, to a change of character and to start following godly counsel. Now Daniel was in the government of Babylon. He was one of the head men. But he had to refuse to do some of the things the king said do when they went against biblical warrant. You understand what I'm saying? Him and the Hebrew boys, they were up in the governments of Babylon, but they couldn't go against biblical counseling. That carries on in the New Testament now. Peter says it's better to obey God than man. So whereas when government conflicts with God, then you have to choose God. There was this case about gay marriage. I think it was in Tennessee or Kentucky or something where the Secretary of State uh, refused to issue a marriage certificate to same-sex couples. She wasn't going to do it even though the law had been passed to do it. So what was it? There was a big issue because they fired her. She had to lose her job or whatever. But wasn't that the sacrifice to follow God was to lose her job because that was her job was to issue those certificates? That was her job. So when it comes to losing your job, sometimes you may have to lose your job. That's called a sacrifice for Christ's sake. You have to pay the consequences. God doesn't always see that you won't have to follow the consequences of following. There are consequences. There is suffering from following Christ. He says all that follow me will suffer persecution. This counselor could be a member of your family, a relative or someone in church, a friend, a co-worker that has the right character. In Christianity, we look for character. There are some people that you may get to do something for you or whatever, but they have a bad character or whatever. I would hope by me being a Christian and showing it everywhere I am or whatever I do, 
it may have had some influence for her getting her chair or whatever. You know, I'd have seen the man. I didn't. I hadn't asked him his religion or anything it was, but I had a pretty good conversation with him. I talked with him, and I said he was a good man or whatever. And Sister Harris says he always acts about me or, or says things about me, but I'm hoping God has influence on him or whatever. But that's where we sometimes cause religion to be a barrier. You see what I'm saying? So you didn't ask him his religion or whatever. We just looking at the works that he's doing, and he know what we stand for. We stand for God or whatever. Some of the Catholics that do a lot of good things or whatever, you don't want a man sets up religion. That's why he says, mark those that cause divisions among you because I'm pretty sure that you realize there are tons of good Catholic people out there. It's the doctrine that they're teaching what's the problem. I'm sure of every faith God has his people in some everywhere that's scattered some are everywhere. That's why I was telling you, some of y'all, some in some other churches, a lot of pastors are people hoping will my pastor be saved. I hope my parishioners be saved. I hope my children be saved. But that's up to God. But what we're to do, what my leader told me, is to love my enemy and treat them right. Jesus Christ came as that example. So you can pull all that stuff out of the Old Testament you want. When Jesus came, he says, I tell you to love your enemy and pray for those that treat you despitefully. I'm telling you what to do. I accept that from him. And that's what I do. I treat everybody the same, whether they're homosexual or whether they are murder or this and that, that. But I don't take counsel from everybody. But you should love, right? That's what he told us to do. In order to get good counsel, we must consider the counselor's character. Listen to a godly counselor. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3.10 says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. You know that, and that's what I say. You have a tendency to follow the people you know or take advice from people you know. That's mighty strange or weird if you take an advice, instruction from a televangelist or something. You only see their sermon sometime. You don't hear all of their preaching or teaching, so you don't know very much about them. It says to know them that labor among you. There are people at church and everything you wouldn't shouldn't have anything to do with. There are a lot of people that go to church. You shouldn't have anything to do with. Paul tells us that. The Bible tells us if a brother is doing this, make sure you don't have any fellowship with him or you stay shy of him. All that wisdom comes from the Bible. He says Paul had just been talking about false teaching and who could not be trusted. He says in contrast, he says, You, Timothy, know my teaching and my way of life. A lot of people follow people and they don't know that person. They may know of that person. But you don't know that individual. That's why Christ says, get to know me. Get to know me. And anybody that you really know, you know how far to trust them and what to trust them with. You know how far to trust them and what to trust them. That's talking about your children, your friends, your church members, and everybody else. If you really know them, and a lot of people that get messed up on that and hadn't prayed about, hadn't followed the other portions of godly counsel about that, say, I really thought I knew him. Mm. Well, see, that's for leaning on your own understanding. What did the indicators tell you? What did the godly indicators tell you? He says, you know of my faith, patience, and love. In other words, you know me and you know that I'm a godly counselor and committed to a follower of Jesus. That's why he tells people, follow me as I follow Christ. The area of the places or where I'm not following Christ, don't follow me in those things. When you're facing important decisions in life, it is imperative to listen to a godly counselor, someone who's committed believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to a suffering counselor, and that's what I was 
also telling you just now about suffering. Second Timothy three eleven through twelve, persecutions, sufferings. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, of all these churches to be talking about favoring the different things happening, there will be bad days. There's a lot of rough patches you go through. There's a lot of suffering in those preachers and teachers to act like every day is sunny side up and every day is mountain climbing days. You have to go through the valleys. You have to be. That's what proves and determines your character right there. The valley experiences, those low experiences, anybody can do good when they're on top. When everything's turning up roses, that's why a lot of people are going to perish because they hadn't been tried. When the fire comes, when rough times comes, they're going to be all for themselves. It it took something for you to learn that this person, uh, the true nature of character this person, you had to wait and let somebody skin the bark off the tree before you realize what type of tree it was. It was a covering it had was covering them. Paul goes on to explain to Timothy that not only was he to be listened to because of his godly character and teaching, but also because of what he had suffered through persecution. Everyone who seeks to live a godly life will be persecuted and suffer in one way or another. If you live in godly, you're going to be persecuted and suffer one way or another those things are coming and you can count on it and the word of God tells you you can count on it. So those are the people pleasers and want to be getting along with everybody and everybody to have something nice to say to them. That person you watch, that man can't be trusted. He can't be counted on. Those who keep on serving the Lord despite suffering and persecution are worth listening to. But those counselors who extravagant lifestyle indicates they have no suffering or not to be listening at. All of those people that's living and that you're worshiping, that you're following because they have jets and mansions and all of these luxury things, all of the popular people that you're following, that means that may show that you're not a child of God because you're looking for the natural thing. You're looking for what's natural. And Jesus Christ pulls us away from the natural seed to seek counselors, the right counselors. Are we understanding me on that? When you see people that comes up, and I, I was getting a haircut the other day, and it was, this guy, he, he's a relative uh, in-law of mine, and he's older, but he's religious or whatever, not the judge's religion or whatever, but this woman teacher that they had on the television that he was listening to, she was selling some kind of purse or some kind of book sack, a note thing to take, you know, to put your Bible stuff in and a carry-all or whatever. But they have all kinds of devices to come up to get into your pocket. They're merchandise. You know, that's that's what a lot of churches are. You know, they used to be selling CDs and all this, or they have something to sell or offer. They have different ways of making merchandise of God's people because God's people, you know, that's the fad throughout the name. That makes you wealthy. You want to get wealthy, write a book how to find favor with God. Write a book. Uh, uh, what it is, the God-centered church or something. Uh, all of these books, most preachers, and a lot, I'm not saying all preachers, but that's the way, give somebody 12 steps to the kingdom of heaven. 12 ways to win in prayer. Because people love a gimmick. That's the natural inclination. But the word of God is free. If this thing is preached and it's nothing more valuable than godly counseling, godly preaching. And the thing about it, it's the good news and it's free. That's why I gave you that in Isaiah, I think it's the 55th chapter, where he says, Whoa, 
Low, all of that thirsty to come unto me. Where is that here? 55th chapter. Oh, everyone that thirsted, come to come ye to the waters, and he that had no money, come ye and buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfied not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat you that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. That's the word of God. It goes freely. Freely he gives, and freely you should receive. But when they start charging, you think that you can buy your way in that simony. That's what they call simony. It came from Simon in the book of Acts, and that's what a lot of people accuse the Catholic Church of is simony. When you think you can buy God or buy the things of God, you just want to buy a set of books or tapes, something that you can listen at, and it's going to get you closer to God. Well, you sadly deceive. Listen to counselors you know, not imposters. 2 Timothy 3.13-14 says, While evil men and impostors will go forth from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from you whom you've learned it. There are imposters and bad counselors who claim to be something that they are not. Though Paul said that after he left, grievous wars was going to enter in. Jesus preached and talked more of the Antichrist and of the false prophets and the false teachers that would come in saying that he was the Christ. That's the problem we're facing in this nation. They are the ones who deceive gullible people who don't consider their character. He says, leading captive silly women laden with sins. They come in through the television most of the time, through the radio, through glamour. You know, women love things that look good to appeal to their carnal nature. It says Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. So we see these things and know these things. It says, notice the last phrase in this verse. You know those from whom you've learned it. You have to know who you're listening to. That's why I say a a sheep won't follow any other shepherd. He said, my sheep know my voice. Those are the ones that won't be lost, the ones that know the shepherd's voice. You should get to know your shepherd's voice. That's why I said, take my yoke upon me and learn my yoke upon you and learn of me. So there's a learning process, but it comes through godly counsel or godly instructions. And that's what doctrine is. It's instruction. So it's the right preaching and teaching, but Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, the bread of the Pharisees contain leaven. He says, watch the preachers and teachers. Now he says, now they have Moses, they sit in Moses' seat, but their doctrine contains leaven. So their instructions contain that little bit of instruction or a little bit of advice that's wrong and that can cause you your life. Paul is saying again uh, to Timothy, you know me, you know my character, you know my life, and you know I'm not an imposter. That's why I, I, I don't see the televangelists and all of this worldwide, and you learn from people on the internet and all these things. I don't see that in the next life. Look like he has shepherds I think he'll have the under-shepherds. You know, it's better when you know your pastor. When you know the shepherd. The shepherd knows each individual sheep. I think if your church is so large that you don't know each individual sheep, you may have too large a church. Why? Because what happens when you give one sheep too much specific attention, the other sheep or something may become jealous, but... Sheep don't have a mind like that. God's people shouldn't have a mind like that. So what happens, they know there's a deficiency in the sheep that the shepherd is taking care of, but the whole herd, there is one. 
So across the world, a Christian here is not jealous of a Christian in Russia or in Ukraine or in Australia. Jealousy doesn't lie within you. But this nation teaches jealousy, competitiveness, and that's why we get in a lot of debt and a lot of things happen because of jealousy and envy and a lot of things of this nature that God trying God's sheep, if they're listening at the shepherd, the shepherd is instructed through the word of God, and that word of God sanctifies that sheep. It sets that sheep apart. It has a perfected way in it. That word cleanses that sheep of all defilement so it won't be without a spot or blemish because it wants that wool white as snow. It's going to be flawless. If we follow God's word, we'll end up flawless. Now, it may not happen in this life, but we know a lot of things won't be attained in this life. That's why we live on the promises of God. If God has promised it, he will do that. We may not see it in this life. That's why Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth, and I shall see him in my body. He was saying in the body, in the flesh he was here. In other words, that he would stand before his Redeemer because there was a resurrection. He, sh- he said he shall see for himself. He says, though the skin worms destroy his body, yet in my flesh I'll see his Redeemer. So that's the faith that goes That's the faith that we should have. We will see Jesus because he's in us and he's working in us and we know he's going to accomplish that what he says he's going to accomplish. It's not going to be an easy task and we're going to go through suffering and as this old body, the flower fadeth, the grass withered, but the word of God endure forever. So if we're in the word, if we're hid in the word and the word abides in us, we have immortality. We have eternal life. Follow the advice and the words of your chef. I can't bring this out any further without going over y'all's teaching time today. So there is a spirit of counsel. Proverbs and throughout the Bible, Isaiah talks about a spirit of counsel. And I don't have time to go in it today. We'll go in it some other but God gives us a spirit of counsel which is the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is our counselor and it's going to lead us and guide us in all truth with the gift of counsel the Holy Spirit speaks as it were to the heart and in an instant enlightens a person what to do it enlightens it it's going to be a lamp to your path and a light to your feet but it requires walking in the Spirit. It's going to guide you and lead you into all truth. It is the gift that allows us as Christians to be assured that we will act correctly in times of trouble and trial, but we have to get accustomed to following Christ, following our true shepherd and following his advice. Don't get out of God's word, whatever you do. It won't lead you wrong. It may look like that, but we walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody say, I wouldn't spend my last dime on that. Well, I'm just going to have faith in Christ or whatever. You spend your last dime. And the guy said, well, no, you don't have to spend all those dimes. You could have it. I just wanted to see, would you spend those dimes? That's the same thing God did to Abraham. After 35 years, but it took all of that length of time to get Abraham to the point where he would sacrifice his only son Isaac because he was depending on God if if he's going to do all he says he's going to do it I know over all these years God does what he promised to do so if he's going to do it he's going to have to raise Isaac from the dead because I'm going to kill him like he told me to do and God says stop Abraham you don't have to kill him I got a sacrifice over here but I just want you to see God brings us to where we see and we'll do anything for him. So when Peter 
said that about denying Jesus Christ. He says, I never deny you. I'm willing to die. He said, well, Peter, you're going to deny me thrice before this night is over with. But then at the end when he says, if you love me. Now, that, this is the irony of it. He came back and told Peter after the resurrection, he says, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Now, Peter got so bold in the Lord now because he had been given, he said, endure in Galilee till you be endued with power from on high. Well, that spirit that Peter got at that time, it wasn't no denying the Lord because the Pharisees called them Peter before him. Now, this wasn't a slave girl or a maiden or something. The Pharisees, the council had him there, and they are the ones Peter says, it's better to obey God than to obey man. And they say, this man had been with Jesus because a while back, now we had this guy, he said he never knew Jesus. Not his guy, he is boldly proclaiming it's better to obey God than man. Jesus told Peter when he says, feed my sheep, he told him the death of the way he was going to die. That came to pass also. But Peter says, I'm not worthy of dying the way my Lord died. And that's when they say Peter was like crucified upside down. He hung on a cross upside down. Are you willing to go that far with Jesus? The word of God strengthens you to where you can.